Welcome to Derm Consult on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and joining me to discuss recent clinical study findings for the treatment of adult patients with moderate plaque psoriasis is Dr. Linda Steingold. She's the Director of Clinical Research in the Department of Dermatology at Henry Ford Health in Detroit. Linda, thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. To get us started, Linda, would you tell us about the importance of IMPULSE, the Phase four study for patients with moderate plaque psoriasis? Yes, this was actually a really interesting study. And on the surface, you might not think it's that interesting, but when you dive into it, it actually gives us a lot of really useful information. This was a study that actually looked at more moderate patients. And generally, when we look at studies with systemic medications for plaque psoriasis, we lump moderate and severe together. And patients have to have at least 10% body surface area in either moderate or severe disease based on their individual global assessment or the quality of the psoriasis plaques. Yet when we look at our psoriasis patients, there's this group of patients who have maybe 10 to 15% body surface area who are candidates for actually all the different treatment modalities. You could potentially use a topical agent on a patient with 10 to 15%, definitely an oral agent, and even a biologic agent. So this was a study that actually targeted that specific group and tried to understand a little bit better how those patients are at baseline and how they respond to two different treatment modalities. And to zero in further, how was the study designed? So the study was designed such that they enrolled adult patients who had moderate plaque psoriasis, and that was defined as a body surface area between 10 and 15% a physician's global assessment of a three or moderate, and a PASI score of 12 or above. So they really were, again, that overlap group that could really be candidates for any type of treatment. And this was actually an interesting study because it was a head-to-head study comparing risankizumab, which is a biologic agent, an IL-23 inhibitor, to a premolast, which is an oral phosphodiesterase type 4 inhibitor. So it was investigator-blinded. The investigators didn't know whether they were receiving the biologic injections or the oral therapy, and the primary endpoint was actually at week 16. And it was a high bar for the primary endpoint, as opposed to looking at a PASI 75 or a 75% improvement in their overall PASI score or severity of disease. They're now pushing it up and saying, let's look at a PASI 90 or a 90% improvement from baseline or a clear or almost clear in their physician's global assessment. And then the study continued And patients who were on risankizumab continued, and those patients who were on a premolast actually got re-randomized to either stay on a premolast or they started on risankizumab. And those patients who were not doing well on a premolast actually had a kind of a rescue arm where they could go on the biologic agent. And overall, patients were monitored or treated for up to 52 weeks. So we see a short-term endpoint, but we also see a long-term treatment period. And how did you settle on those two medications in selecting the treatments to study? Well, it's interesting because risankizumab is one of the most effective of our psoriasis treatments. It is a highly effective IL-23 inhibitor that has been shown to get actually the majority of our psoriasis patients clear, almost clear. And a premolast is an oral agent that is really commonly used. It's an agent that is easy to use. It's a pill, and it's commonly prescribed by a lot of dermatologists, whether they're academic or community. And it's often a treatment that is the first step when patients are going to a systemic medication. So when we're looking at this 10 to 15% body surface area, very commonly a dermatologist might say, well, it's not that bad. So let's go ahead and start with something easy like a pill. 
And you could argue which is easier, a pill or, or a shot, but it's just very commonly used in the community to start with a premolas. So the question really was, for this moderate population, does it matter? Can we start with a premolas or should we go to a heavy hitter like risinkizumab? For those just tuning in, you're listening to Derm Consult on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and I'm speaking with Dr. Linda Steingold about a recent study that looked at treatments for adult patients with moderate plaque psoriasis. So now that we have some background on the Impulse Phase 4 study, Linda, let's talk about the findings. What were some key results and insights from the trial? Well, actually, the first thing that I found really interesting was the demographics, the baseline demographics. When we look at the Impulse study, on average, the body surface area was about 13%. And again, that makes sense because we enrolled patients who had 10 to 15% body surface area. When we look at the phase three pivotal trials for risinkizumab that included the moderate to severe patients, they had double the body surface area. So they had about almost 26% body surface area. So we're really almost exactly half of the BSA. Yet when we look at the Dermatology Life Quality Index or the DLQI, in the pivotal studies when they had 26% body surface area, their DLQI score was about 13.2. And we know if it's above 10, that means their disease has a major impact on their overall quality of life. Yet when we look at this study, where now we have half the body surface area involved, and we look at the effect on DLQI, there's almost no effect. In the main studies, it was 13.2. We cut the body surface area in half, and it's still about 12.6. So we went down less than one point. And I think this is a really important teaching message for us. Just because a patient is not covered with psoriasis doesn't mean that their quality of life isn't impacted in a great amount. If you think about it, say you have psoriasis on your knees. So whether it covers your whole thigh to your knee or it just covers half your thigh, if you cut the body surface area involved in half, it still means you can't wear shorts. It still means for a woman who wants to wear a low cut back for her wedding gown, if she has three plaques or 10 plaques, she's still not going to be able to wear a low cut gown. So I think it underscores the fact that these patients are suffering, even though their body surface area isn't as extensive as what we generally study for these systemic treatments. So that's the first thing I thought was interesting. Now, a couple of rubber meets the road questions for you. What else do these results mean practically for our patients and how might clinicians work with them to select the best treatment options? Well, it's interesting because when we look at the overall results from this trial and we say, how did these patients actually do? Remember, the primary endpoint was a high bar. We were asking for a 90% improvement in their PASI score or PASI 90. And when we look at this at week 16, we see that about 56% of patients had a PASI 90 with risinkizumab versus only 5% with a premolast. And when you say how many patients got to clear or almost clear, three quarters of them with risinkizumab versus 18.4% with a premolast. So we're seeing a major difference between the biologic therapy and the oral therapy. And when we put the bar even higher and say, how about getting patients completely clear at week 16, a full one out of three with risinkizumab got completely clear versus less than 2% with a premolast. So we're really seeing a major difference in efficacy in terms of the difference between the risinkizumab and the apremolast. And this difference actually was maintained over the course of the 52 weeks. Looking again at those patients who achieved that PASI 90, now we're getting close to three quarters of them on risinkizumab and less than 3% on the apremolast. So we're seeing a really a major efficacy difference. 
And if we go back to that dermatology life quality index, and remember, I told you at baseline, these patients on average had a major impact on their overall quality of life due to their psoriasis. And we say, well, how many patients now had a score of zero or one, meaning their psoriasis no longer impacted their quality of life? We see 54% at just week 16 on Rizinkizumab said their psoriasis no longer impacted their life versus only 14% on the apremolast. So we're really seeing a difference in each one of these parameters. These are both good drugs, but they're different drugs. And before we close, Linda, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways you'd like to share with our audience? I do. I think, first of all, when we look at these trials, these are two drugs. They're both safe. The safety profiles mirrored what we expected based on their phase three clinical trials, but we did see a difference in efficacy. And I think this is a good teaching point for us when we see psoriasis patients. We have to realize that psoriasis can impact patients to a great extent. So I think when we look at our patients, really get a handle on how does it impact their overall quality of life. You know, ask them, do you think about your psoriasis every day? Do you think about your psoriasis when you go to work? Does this interfere with your having social interactions? Do you feel self-conscious? Are you willing to go out to a pool, a swimming pool, or go out in the summer? So I think that maybe we should think again when we're looking at these patients, even if they don't have very extensive disease, and find a treatment that works best for our patients. And sometimes that might mean looking more quickly or sooner at those highly effective biologic therapies. Those are some really great insights as we close our discussion today. And I want to thank my guest, Dr. Linda Steingold, for joining me to discuss the clinical study she led examining the treatment of adult patients with moderate plaque psoriasis. Linda, it was great having you on the program. Well, thanks so much. For ReachMD, I'm Dr. Charles Turk. To access this and other episodes in our series, visit DermConsult on ReachMD.com, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.